Welcome to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I have always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple weeks, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you'll listen to each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. This is episode one of Taking the Middle Seat, and today I'm interviewing my friend, Emily Smith. She owns Adored Boutique. It's a store here in Grand Rapids, Michigan that carries the coolest fashion and purses and earrings and undies. She carries the coolest undies and gifts, and it's all ethically sourced and made by people who are cherished and valued for their work. We talk a lot about her store, her boutique, um, and it's so much more than a retail space, which you'll hear, but we mostly talk about her journey getting to that retail space. And even though I've known Emily for a million years, I learned so much more about her path during our interview. At the end of the episode, I'll share, share a couple of my takeaways, so listen all the way to the end. Also, if you're new to podcasts, which I know some of you are because you're just listening in because I told you to, you need to know that subscribers are where it is at. Podcasters love it when you hit that subscribe button, and it also allows you to not miss one little teeny morsel of your favorite podcast. So go ahead and do that and also rate the podcast. I listen to one gajillion podcast, and I try to rate them all because it's like giving a little virtual hug to my podcast host people who are working so hard to bring these little gems right into my phone. You're also probably thinking, hey, Andrea, do you have a website? And I do. Why, yes, I do. It's called takingthemiddleseat.com. Head over there for show notes, links to anything that we reference in the conversation today. You can also message me through my website, um, right through the interwebs, and give me suggestions for guests you'd like to hear, or just send me a fun little note. I will take it all. All right, now that the details are covered, let's get to the good stuff. My interview with Miss Emily Smith. So Emily Smith is on my podcast today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Taking the Middle Seat. Thank um, you. I'm super excited to Thank have you too. here. You were top of my list of people that I wanted when I thought about doing this. Um, and part of the reason for that is because you're doing amazing things now with your boutique, and we'll get to that. Um, but I think I started thinking about how we've known each other for probably longer than I want to admit. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about that this morning. I think it's like 15 years. It's crazy. Yeah. It was before I had kids. Yeah. yeah. And I was a tiny baby social worker in grad school, I think, right? Yeah. I was at the end of You were of in your my... internship. Yeah. Yeah. So Emily was a nurse at hospice, and I was an intern, and got stuck with this team of you and Vicki, and um, our still mutual friend, and we did hospice sign-ons in the hospital, which people probably don't realize what that even means, but um, we went and talked to people for the first time about hospice, Um, and I think hospice is just such a cool place to start. It was cool for me. I don't know if you were somewhere before hospice. Mm -hmm. I was an oncology nurse. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. And transitioned. It was a very natural progression. For sure. So what, 
I know hospice taught me a ton about how to sit with people, quite literally, um, in whatever space they're in at that moment. But what did it teach you? Or how did you, what did you learn from oncology and then hospice about entering into somebody else's space? Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that the other day. One of the things I realized about myself is that the reason I left oncology nursing was because I felt like I had gotten so much out of that experience. I was ready to get more. I was ready to experience yeah. something else. And it was almost the same thing with hospice. It, there was a very nat- like I was having my daughter and I couldn't work full time anymore. Yeah. But the timing also worked out that I felt like I had gotten so much out of that experience that I was looking yet again for another place that I could get more. Yep. I think in terms of both of them, um, both of those experiences, I took very similar things because mm-hmm. you find people in a very vulnerable life situation for that. Sure is totally unknown mm-hmm. um a lot of times for us there was a lot of unknown yeah right but you're the expert right <laughs> you're so yes. you're supposed to hold that all together yeah they're right? looking at you right yeah. mm-hmm. um and as much as we knew we also didn't know yeah and so um i think what i took from both of those was one this awareness of what it can really look like to be broken mm-hmm um, to feel like there's no hope, mm-hmm. but then also what finding hope mm-hmm. through a difficult circumstance can look like. Mm-hmm. And I was, I truly in both because in yeah. both I saw people come off of hospice. I saw people go into remission. Um, but then we also saw the other side of that where that didn't happen. And that didn't mean that you couldn't have hope Yeah, in that part of the journey it just was a huge spectrum of what that can look like based on the individual and their circumstances yeah I think for me it was the complexity of those situations but also how it kind of whittles people down to the simplicity at the same time so there's like so many complex emotions and dynamics but then also hospice staff and then the families, I think, eventually figure out what the one thing is that's important, and it's usually yeah. love or connection or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I just, because I had been really lucky, I guess, to that point, had not been in those spaces of death and the middle space and all of that. Um, and you just find out that it's like, it just all doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, like, just yeah. that... The people, the connection is what, what it boils down to. So, yeah, yeah I think it was sure. a powerful experience and time in my life. And then I moved on, and you did too, eventually. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long after that, into a hospital setting. Um, me doing social work and you doing nursing. I don't What were those next steps for you? You were kind of more in administration? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really had very little clinical um, encounters after that. I mm-hmm. had... Um, I didn't do direct bedside care mm-hmm. anymore, um, which worked for my life. Yeah. It allowed me a lot of flexibility with having a young family. Sure. Um, I learned a lot, probably more about myself mm-hmm. than anything else in mm-hmm. those years. And then after, 
I don't know, maybe six years of balancing a little bit of clinical and a little bit of administration, I moved completely away from the clinical and um, really didn't even need a nursing degree for what I did okay. for the subsequent couple of years. Okay. Um, so I'm pretty far removed from patient care at this point. Yeah. Like going back would require a lot of training yeah. if I was ever going to do that. I don't know you want me to be your nurse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to dust off those uh-huh. skills after yeah. this many years. Yeah. Um, and you said you were learning about yourself in the interim. What were some of, what did that look like? What were there some of those lessons through that time? Um, wow. <laughs> How long is this podcast? Right? <laughs> We've got all the time in the world, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, countless, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, in the midst of it, I didn't necessarily even realize that that's what was happening. Sure. That yeah. that what was going on. Um, until even, you know, four or five years ago yeah. when some of those things started to make sense to me in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think one of the things that I really pulled, not only from what I learned and what I saw in the people that I worked with and in the patients and the families that I worked with, but also how that integrated into my role as an administrator, um, the thing that I learned to do better mm-hmm. is listen. And I mm-hmm. started observing that um, much of my life, and I don't think I'm alone in this, but I thought I was listening. Sure. Yeah. I thought I was really hearing what people were saying. Mm-hmm. But the truth was there was always this piece about what I thought Yeah. that overlapped with what I was hearing, and I really wasn't absorbing and allowing myself to consider mm-hmm. in the way that I feel like I do now. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I think you're right. People think, well, of course I listen. Like I listen to my kids and my spouse and my people and whatever. But you're, it's hard to, I think, shut off our internal dialogue. We're always thinking about the next yeah. thing, even if we think we're quote unquote listening. Yeah. Um, and like you said, really taking in stuff that might not fit with our mm-hmm. worldview or whatever, new right. stuff. Right. I think that's a lot harder to pause and be truly open yeah. to that and yeah. really considering what other people are saying or doing or whatever. Yeah. So. I think what I saw was there were things that I had held on to because that's just what I knew. Yeah. Right. And that was my personal experience. Those things are valid. Mm -hmm. They're not invalid, but it, I wasn't, I didn't start out as good of a leader as I could have been if I was listening differently Mm -hmm. because a lot of times people are reluctant to say what it is that's really driving their decision to, or to not do something or their anger or their disappointment. Mm -hmm. And as a better listener, you can see past the superficial, I'm angry at you today. Sure. I'm angry at this situation today and take a hold a little bit differently of, okay, well, what is the root issue? Because we could talk all day about the fact that you're angry. Yeah. But we're not going to fix anything until we start addressing the root. And so I, I think it was when I started to understand the root things in me. Mm-hmm. I started to become more sensitive to the roots in other people. Mm-hmm. 
And I would say knowing you a million years ago and then interacting with you occasionally now, there's just a different energy, absolutely, mm-hmm. about you. And I'm sure that's no surprise to you. It's mm-hmm. been a long time where we've gone through a lot, but there's just a peace and uh, wisdom mm-hmm. about just your being, not necessarily your words, but I think there's just a whole different shift. So for sure there's, I mean, just change and um, it's been a journey, I'm yeah. sure, from then till now. That's super encouraging. Thanks yeah. for saying that. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, like you can feel it on the inside, but you're like, does anybody actually see that? And then when you look back at it, you're like, ooh, was I like a jerk? <laughs> like, well, Emily, let's what? talk. I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding we all have those moments right that's part of life like you as you grow you're supposed to grow right right yeah we're hoping right you're supposed to mature hopefully yeah and then you learn from that and hopefully you don't repeat it and hopefully you can rear your children away from some of those things oh my gosh maybe they figure it out sooner maybe they don't struggle through some of those phases that we struggled through wouldn't that be nice yeah i know amazing (laughs) (laughs) i i think i see that especially in like i most of the people listening will know that i have an 11 year old daughter but um it's just the confidence that she has at 11 like i could not have hoped yeah. To have one pinky toe full of that confidence at her age. Yeah, it's awesome. And I know, it just makes me feel like, I don't know what mm-hmm. I did or what we did or where she's getting it from, but mm-hmm. thank goodness. Mm-hmm. So that makes life a lot easier, for sure. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, so moving to kind of present day life for you is beyond administration and healthcare, and at some point... You took a 180 degree turn and we're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to open a store with some things in it, make a difference. Um, so I have for it's sure. Pretty much. Yeah, that's kind of how it went, right? Yeah. Um, I have for sure heard your story from other kind of interviews and things that you've done. But tell me in the like, you know, little bitty version. Elevator speech. Yeah. yeah. What happened? Um, so, so much of the, the growth and development that we've already talked about was really about, um, me also maturing in my faith. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I have always, for as long as I can remember, um, known about Jesus and, and claimed him as my savior, Mm -hmm. but I I really didn't have a relationship with him Mm -hmm. and have a personal relationship with him. And what I've learned as I've gotten older is that a lot of people who claim him as his savior, as their savior, don't. Like somehow the Western church has, I don't want to say stolen, but I do want to say stolen. Mm -hmm. Like um, we haven't learned that Mm -hmm. and we haven't learned that that's available to us. And so I was well into my adult years before I understood that I could have that. But then um, before I understood the value of that in terms of, my character Mm -hmm. and um how I spend my life Mm -hmm. um and so as I was learning that I was on a mission trip in Cuba that was supposed to be a trip where I got to bless these Cuban women who are um treated horribly by their government and the injustice there is beyond anything we would ever understand in the United States it's horrible Mm mm-hmm 
but we were going to encourage them and to love on them. And little did I know that I was going to leave that trip having been encouraged and loved on more than I felt like I did to anybody else. Yeah. But it was while I was there that I I went with this very restless heart about my career. I felt like I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, but Mm -hmm. I was limiting any consideration to what I could do to nursing. And everything I looked at, I was like, "Ah, Mm -hmm. I'm not excited about that. I really don't want to do that. Um, but I hadn't even spoken this out loud. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, e- I hadn't even reconciled it in my own mind. I didn't understand what it was. I just was restless. But by the time I left that trip, um, I understood who Jesus was in a totally different way for me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he had a purpose with my life mm-hmm. that didn't involve nursing, mm-hmm. that didn't involve anything that I felt like I had been prepared for. Yeah. Um, in the course of my career, but involved demonstrating his love um, to women who might otherwise never encounter it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was going to be quitting my job and oh changing my. my career and opening a boutique, but I had no idea what am I selling, what is it called, am I franchising, am I doing my own thing? And I left that trip and I went into a period of nine months of just praying and fasting and seeking and trying to understand what it is that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it was through that phase, actually, where I really started, he just started unraveling these root things that were in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest one was really about what what was my identity. Mm-hmm. I had taken up... Um, a total lie about my identity and who I was. And it rooted all the way back to second grade. Oh my. And an experience with a nickname. So my maiden name was Worthly. Uh-huh. This is not the elevator speech, by the way. No, I'm really sorry. Fine. I'm getting that's fine. deeper than I should. This but, happens. Um, I'm a yeah. social worker. People just keep talking. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I'm super interested. So my maiden name was Worthly, um, but my nickname was Worthless. Growing oh up, and gosh. it was coined by my gym teacher, yes. and I think it of was. Of course, it was. I think right in I the eighties. That's yes. like that happened, right? The sensitivity to stuff like that just wasn't what it is. That is now for sure. But it was the name that stuck with me until I got married, and I actually invited it into my life, and yeah. it became the way I would introduce myself sometimes <gasps> in certain circles. Yes. And I didn't realize that I actually was believing. Yeah. That I was unable, that I was insufficient, that I was unworthy. Yeah. And so it was through this process that God not only said to me, like, this, you believe this about yourself. Yeah. But then he was like, but that's not how I see you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he showed me that there are a lot of women, whether they've been exploited or not exploited, mm-hmm. whether they have means and opportunity in life or not, who mm-hmm. believe the same lie. Who believe that That's they are insufficient? For sure. Yes, that they are unworthy, and he broke my heart about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because not only did I understand the pain that for th- almost thirty years I walked around believing this lie about myself, mm-hmm. and it and it influenced, mm-hmm. and maybe is part of why you, when you look at me now you see something different. Because yeah. I I was forever competing with that, yeah, but didn't realize that I was competing with it, yeah. Um, and so in that breaking of my heart and that understanding of the hearts of women, I just became impassioned with wanting to do whatever it was that he wanted me to do because I knew the purpose was to help women who are believing the same lie that I've believed mm-hmm. to understand that, that that's not their truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that came initially in the form of opening a boutique. <laughs> 
Yes, because that's easy, I'm sure. Right. You had yeah. all those, like, boutique <laughs> skills. Right, yeah. Those, yeah, nursing. Like, yeah. <laughs> a ton about opening boutiques. It was so scary. I it was so, so imagine. scary. But he was so faithful, Andrea, and every time I said yes, he made a way, and it all makes sense now. I can, I can yeah. see, even in the days where I was like, am I hearing you right? Yeah. Like, you want me to order clothes in February for a store I don't even have a lease for yet, or a name. Right. Or an idea of the community, where it's going to be, like, it was it was backwards to the world. Mm-hmm. But that's totally how he works, mm-hmm. right? And that's how we develop a trust and a faith. And um, that's what he needed to do in me because the next phase of that is what he's developing in me now. Yeah. Which is um, telling my story. Yeah. So that requires faith and trust too because it's super vulnerable. And um, there'll be people who don't like what I have to say. And I have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, the part about the worthless gives me chills for just all sorts of reasons. And I um, had never heard that particular piece of your story, which just, it blows me away. First of all, because I can picture, I can picture, I can picture my, my little bitty self in gym class, just like all the little girls that grew up in the time we did and were, we all felt that way. Mm-hmm. And we all grew up into women that still believe that lie mm-hmm. about ourselves. I mean, that is such a powerful connecting thread, fortunately or unfortunately, I think, between adult women mm-hmm. is that so many of us feel worthless for whatever reason, incapable, too big, too small, too quiet, too loud, whatever. Mm-hmm. And to do what you're doing and flip that on its head and say, okay, that connection might bring us in the door, but then what I'm going to do in this space of adored boutique is to flip that around and make that connection about finding your voice and your power and your beauty and your purpose and all of that. And it just honestly makes me want to cry. Um, so I think it's, I think it's just so phenomenal. So Adored Boutique, tell people what it is and where it is and those kind of logistic details. So um, we are a boutique that only carries products that are made by people who are told that they're worthwhile, Mm -hmm. who are told that they have a purpose, who are treated respectfully. So Mm -hmm. it's not all fair trade certified, but it all comes from places where the foundation of the work that that company is doing is about providing sustainable opportunities to people who otherwise wouldn't have it almost always people at risk Mm -hmm. Um, people who are vulnerable to either exploitation or um, either labor in the sex trade um, or just that cycle of poverty that Mm -hmm. can't be broken Mm -hmm. Um, and that happens in the United States that happens all over the globe and so our stuff comes from all over the globe Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter to me what country it is. It's just about how are the people treated. Mm-hmm. And so on that side, we love that we get to be part of providing a new job for somebody and paying salaries of people. Because when we purchase from those companies, that's really what it does. Mm-hmm. It provides counseling and therapy and income. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on this side, my heart is 
that whole piece about um, my heart breaking about women who mm-hmm. believe that lie. So mm-hmm. many women who are exploited in the sex trafficking industry, that's all they're told their whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the issue, the problem just breaks God's heart too. It mm-hmm. makes him so sad that his children are treated that way. And so he showed me, I really want you to be part of resolving that Mm -hmm. but i want you to do it in grand rapids Mm -hmm. and so um we give back 15 percent of our profits to local organizations that are in that fight that Mm -hmm. are equipped to be boots on the ground i am not equipped to be that person but Mm -hmm. i am fully equipped to give them my money Mm -hmm. and to pray for them and to let the community know that they exist and create opportunities for them yeah so the store is really just a way to have a space and to fund that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, and, I mean, it's... Well, and it's doing about. it in a really excellent way. I mean, first of all, just from a shopping perspective, which I know a lot about, I feel like I'm an expert on that. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Um, but I've been in a lot of boutiques, and it's yours is adorable, Thank first you. of all. It just feels like a wonderful space and this has nothing to do with like helping the world but what i think people should come there for is yes for the purpose but also like your store should be the source for like your black cardigan you're never going to get rid of like the staple pieces yeah. Yeah. i bought the um the best long sleeve black t-shirt i don't need to go to target for that that's silly i can go and have an awesome black t-shirt that I'll never get rid of and is super quality and lovely and doing great things in the world from your store. So I'm just putting that out there that it is about the purpose for sure. But I think sometimes having done, I was an ambassador for Noonday Collection, as you know, a while, long time ago, and I still love what they do. It's another socially responsible company that's doing great things. But a lot of people bought stuff from Noonday because it was cute. <laughs> they couldn't give two hoots about the purpose, which of course made me a little bit sad, but also like, okay, buy the stuff that's going to make a difference. Yeah. Um, so if for no other reason, if people like can't connect to the purpose, which I can't imagine they wouldn't be able to, but they should just come check it out because you do also carry like not raffia skirts and like beaded earrings like i think people think fair trade and they think yeah i'm just gonna wear it because it does something good but it's not cute no your stuff is cute thank you yes i was really intentional about that because i i am very americanized right so i dress that way right we want a skinny jean and a cute top and whatever yes but to know that you can get that stuff and know that someone's life was multiple people's lives were impacted by your purchase Yes. That to me is where the power really lied because yeah. I think it's just about that awareness that your your purchasing power it goes far beyond yes. the reach that you can see. Yeah. And positively or negatively. Yeah. Right? And right. we we just it gets sorta of protected from us. We don't we don't understand. I had a customer that came in one time and she I shared with her everything in the store has been ethically manufactured. So that means nothing comes from a sweatshop, nothing comes from slave labor. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she was like, well, how often does that actually happen? Wow. And I said, 99.9% of the apparel industry Mm -hmm. qualifies as slave labor. Mm -hmm. We just don't 
hear that enough. Mm-hmm. And it's when you think about the weight of that yeah. and what that actually means for a woman who has three children but works 20 hours a day with mm-hmm. no breaks for the bathroom, even if she's having her period because yeah. you're not allowed to take a break. And if you leave... You lose your job and you need that money because there's no other employment in your community. Yes. Right? Yes. That's their reality. Yeah. And so you can't get everything ethical. Yeah. Right? Like I own the store and I'm not 100%. I'm I'm trying, but I'm not there yet. So you can't feel bad about the fact that sometimes you have to, it's just the world that we live in right now. But when you can make a choice Mm -hmm. for certain things to do that differently, every time you make that choice, you really do change the way that demand is flowing. You're Mm going to hold accountability. You're going to really change a life Mm -hmm. of somebody who may otherwise not have any other opportunity but to go back to the sweatshop. Yeah. And do you feel like, because you kind of swim deeper in this pond than I do, but do you feel like it's there's more and more momentum in that direction like of it seems like there is I mean anecdotally there seems like there's a lot more socially conscious companies out in the world Mm -hmm. and you hear a lot more about it but do you feel like as an industry that fashion's going in that direction Mm. I'm still pretty new to this I mean three years ago I had no idea yeah (laughs) You're I just did it. I had no idea. Walking along, and then you opened a boutique. I think the what I have observed since I started researching mm-hmm. and since I started looking for vendors to carry is that more and more vendors keep popping up, mm-hmm. and they're small. Mm-hmm. They maybe only have five or six products each season. But I have also encountered, because my world is surrounded with it now, I encounter people right here in Grand Rapids who have always wanted to start a line in their actively looking for a place to do that yeah. in Cambodia or or they're building those relationships and trying to create mm-hmm. a business where they can offer that and so from my perspective I feel like there is a ton of motivation and passion around it mm-hmm. um, whether or not that equates to a global movement mm-hmm. mm, I don't know yeah I don't know you, you don't really hear about it in mainstream media. You don't really hear sure. about, but the same with exploitation. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot about it. I'm hearing a lot about rescue operations and yeah. things like that. But I, that's all my social media is. Right. <laughs> like I Mine surround too. myself with it. Yeah. Right. I don't hear about it when I listen to national news. I don't yeah. hear about it in the same way. Yeah. Um. So, I guess I I can't say for sure Mm -hmm. but what does excite me is the person who comes into my store and is like oh I love that I really want to be part of that yeah and then maybe I can make a connection for them maybe I can send them to one of the places where we contribute that Mm -hmm. needs volunteers or you know just teach them something about one of the companies that we carry and what they're doing yeah Because I think I forget sometimes that people, like the woman that came in, that people don't realize that there's just sweatshops all over the place and that there's people being trafficked in Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. And I kind of have just had that awareness for a while. And so it makes, and like my social media is 
like yours, you know, you yeah. hear all about those things. And I think, um, well, of course people know that. And of course yeah. people know that it's they better, don't. but they don't. Yeah. They don't. Three years ago, yeah. I knew nothing about any of it. Yeah. It's wasn't until I committed my life to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you understand, like when, when other customers come in the store and we say that to them and they kind of look at me like, okay, <laughs> Which I, I just like, shopping I totally on Cherry respect, Street online. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not up for your story today. Yeah. I totally respect it. Yeah. But I'm still going to try and tell it to you when you yeah. come into my store. And when your body language says to me, like, I'm not interested, then I'll stop. Yeah. Right? Because I get, like, it's hard information. Mm-hmm. There's no room in our brains mm-hmm. to store it because it's horrifying. Yes. And so if you're not impassioned in your heart about the plight of people who are in that situation, hearing it in your mind, it's like, uh, I don't even know what to do with that. I can't yes. process it. I just want to find some denim. Right. Yes. And I respect that. Yeah. I really do. Um, but hopefully mm-hmm. the little bit that people get just becomes part of their journey yeah. of beginning to understand the the broader issue can I ask you a super naive question and we can edit this out if we need to later um so (laughs) you can ask me whatever you want I figured I could you got me really vulnerable right here already so So we have a different spiritual worldview Uh and I hear people all the time because I grew up here in West Michigan which is a more people are similar to yours than mine and they say like God led me in this direction. God spoke to me. God, what did that? What does that look like for you? And I mean, yeah, one hundred percent. No disrespect in this. Yeah. I, it's a like question I've always wanted to ask someone, and yeah. you're, you happen to be here, so I'm going to ask you. Totally. <laughs> and I know it's a big part of your story, so I literally just super interested in hearing what does that feel like, look like. Yeah. I love that you asked, actually. Thanks for being courageous to ask it. Because I, um, that's, I think, maybe one of the hardest things to, it's emotional. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. in a, like, regular group setting, mm-hmm. being able to articulate what that looks like is really hard because yeah. people's emotions sort of rise up. And if you've sure. never had it or you don't understand it or you disagree with it because of your own life journey like we were talking about before, you just don't hear it. Yeah. So it like can't connect to the heart. Yeah. So then um, there's a lot of things that where that happens. So faith for sure is one of those. Yeah. Um, the first time I had a personal encounter with God was my very first trip to Cuba, which was in 2013. Okay. And I left for that trip feeling shame over old sin in my life, over mm-hmm. things that I had done years before, mm-hmm. but I had never reconciled. Mm-hmm. I was still hanging on to them. And the first couple of days that I was on that trip, I was not experiencing. I was just observing. Mm-hmm. And I recognized that about myself. And, and finally, at the second night in there, I said, I just something's wrong because I see this encounter that you guys are having and Mm -hmm. it's desirable to me I want it but I'm not experiencing anything I just am watching you Mm -hmm. um 
So the group of women I was with said, okay, well, we're just going to, we're going to pray for you that you'll start to experience. Mm -hmm. And so the next day I woke up early in the morning before anybody else. And I was like, I'm going to experience God today. Today's the day. It it is. It's going to (laughs) happen. I wanted it. Yeah. um, But I didn't know Mm -hmm. how to find it. Mm -hmm. So I got up in the morning and I went downstairs. It was quiet. Um, And I was doing this devotional called Experiencing God. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've ever heard of it, but it's it's everywhere. A lot of people say great things about it. And for me, it was a really great way for me to understand the character of God in a way that I never was taught. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got up and I happened to do the the devotion for that day was about um, letting go of your pride mm-hmm. and being willing to be humbled by the one who loves you more than anybody else mm-hmm. could ever love you. And so as I was reading it, I just started to weep. It was like a flood of tears were coming out of me. And they, mm-hmm. and each one was bringing this lightness to my spirit Yeah. Um, in a way like it feels out of touch, right? Like I had sure. never, I, I had never encountered anything like that, but I could totally understand what was happening in me. Mm-hmm. And I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, Emily get on your knees mm-hmm. and I was like uh-uh <laughs> never mind I don't no. want to experience <laughs> like nope this is good I'll just like take the tears I actually said no yeah and he in this totally passionate loving voice said Emily get on your knees uh-huh just like that mm-hmm. and I knew what he was saying to me was you are walking so pridefully mm-hmm. that I can't teach you anything because it's all about you mm-hmm. let me teach you mm-hmm. and so I got on my knees mm-hmm. and when I got up there was I am not kidding you we needed to mop up the floor there was wow. so, there were so many tears that came from that because in the moment that I got on my knees he totally forgave me mm-hmm. he 100% completely was like I love you mm-hmm. I don't see when I look at you I don't see the things that you're feeling shame about mm-hmm. what I see is your potential mm-hmm. what I see is this woman that I created to be so much more than than where you are right now mm-hmm. and I can't wait for you to get there mm-hmm. And I and it, he didn't say that, but I understood it in yeah. my heart. I understood that that's what was happening in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like a wreck mm-hmm. for days. Mm-hmm. But later on that day, um, the group of us was were praying over another person that was there, and mm-hmm. I, even though I had had that experience in the morning, I was still like, I've got nothing. I don't know what, I don't even know how to contribute to this prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the girls looked at me and she was like, we need to pray for you. Mm-hmm. And so I said yes, because I was a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, still not totally understanding everything going on in me, but they, she and another girl brought me into this other room. And in the moment I walked in the room, I heard the Lord say to me, Mm-hmm. And this time I didn't argue with him. Mm-hmm. And I got right on my knees. And it was through that um, I started to feel this like 
literally physical chains wrapping around my chest mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was all, I couldn't visualize it but it felt like there were two people on either side pulling the ends of the chains mm-hmm. tighter and it was to the point that I was gasping for air like I couldn't get good air in wow and it yeah. was pulling tighter and it was pulling tighter and it was pulling tighter and these two girls were praying for they just knew to pray for release and whatever it was uh-huh. that was holding me back and one of them stopped the prayer and said Emily I can see Jesus and he uh-huh. is coming near to you Mm -hmm. and in the moment that she said that i saw him walk behind me and wrap his arms around me Mm -hmm. and i shouted (laughs) it feels really embarrassing like because it it kind of made no sense if you were if you weren't in the setting but i was like i receive it Uh (laughs) like really loud yeah but it was insane that that my heart truly did receive this mm-hmm. forgiveness that he had already told me he had given me. Mm-hmm. And I felt the chains break off of me mm-hmm. and fall down to the ground. And it was like my breath came back and the tightness mm-hmm. was gone. And suddenly I was like this completely different mm-hmm. person. Wow. And um, that set the stage mm-hmm. for... Mm-hmm. Um, how I understand him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, not everybody has that kind of encounter, right? Like right. that's crazy. Yeah, that that feels crazy to people. Uh-huh. But it was like it was the most real thing yeah. I've ever experienced, and it brought this complete freedom to mm-hmm. me. Um, and it was because of that that everything else that came to me later that I understood. I understood that. Yeah. I understood the rest of what he had to say to me over the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, four years. What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> Some years. So um, that just set the stage for the relationship that I was going to move into with him. Yeah. And I know not everybody enters into an encounter with God in the same way. Mm-hmm. I I wish everybody could mm-hmm. because it was so incredibly powerful that I'll never be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I do know is that he loves us all that way, that it, if we come to a point where we're willing to listen to him differently and receive what he has for us, that he'll meet us there. Mm-hmm. He'll meet us in the in that way that makes sense to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, <laughs> I think it does. I think that covers it. Yeah, the kneeling and the yelling and the yeah. Now I think people are often afraid to ask that question, even if they have grown up in a spiritual space or a mm-hmm. religious space. I can imagine that they have felt if they haven't had that type of experience, and they've heard people talk about it their whole life. They think they kind of enter into that worthless mm. space again and mm-hmm. go, well, why not me? Mm-hmm. And why has my past been different? Or maybe they know nothing about religion mm-hmm. and they hear someone talk about that and they're closed off to understanding it. Sure. Or um, they've had something horrible happen to them in their right. life. And how could how could a God that loves us that much allow right. this? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think it's yeah. Those are one of the real things, things. Yeah, yeah. that I would 
love to explore more in this podcast. I mean, all the things that kind of separate us, but I think religion and spirituality is one of the the biggest mm-hmm. um, that people are just afraid to connect about. And mm-hmm. I think there's, I mean, obviously this is my perspective, but I think there's for sure more, far more connection to be had than we're, than we usually look at. So yeah. yeah. Totally. And similarity, I guess I mean by connection. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree thank completely. You yeah. For telling for me asking. all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I can imagine if you're like, someone tells you to kneel, you're like, Really? It's super humiliating. <laughs> yes. Right? I and mean, scary. And, and, and scary. Yeah. Vulnerable and all those things. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, the biggest fear that I had in all that was fear of condemnation. Yeah. I really believe that if I put myself in that position, that he was going to expose mm-hmm. my stuff, mm-hmm. that he was going to condemn me. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Mm-hmm. Nobody else on that trip understood what he was doing to me. Yep. He's not exposed it beyond the story Mm -hmm. you know like it that's not how he rolls yeah he gets a bad rap but it's really not how we roll it's really not how he rolls like but i totally believe that i believed that he was going to make me stand in front of everybody and say here's my stuff what i did Mm -hmm. but that's not what he does yeah and probably even if you had somebody else would stand up and And go i did that thing too or i've been carrying that around like a bag of bricks for 100 years too so for sure and so much to your point is those are some those are commonalities that we have but we hide them because we're told we should feel shameful because we're you know yeah instead of like if we could all find that common ground like man i've been in your shoes yeah I understand what it's like to hold that kind of stuff in and how it changes your personality or how it influences what you what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do in life. Yeah. It those kinds of things like drive us and we don't always even realize that they're driving us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because we've talked about all the deep things and I've kept you here a hundred years. We're gonna move Let's talk on about to something the, super light the wrap up questions. Yes. <laughs> so this will probably change, but since you're my first guinea pig on my podcast, I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer. I'm going to ask a few questions, and I think I'll probably end up asking all my guests similar questions. Okay, just as kind of a connecting thread. But the first one, and I think I told you about this beforehand, was to think about favorite things. Yeah, because I think on a like a like we were saying a very surfacey level. Um, you know, before you get into the deep with someone, you probably have something in common that's just like a silly favorite thing. And maybe that's the gateway drug to, to deeper connection. Um, so tell me about some favorite things, what you're loving right now. It can be major, minor, little, big, whatever. Sure. My absolute favorite thing, the thing I go to bed every night looking forward to is my coffee in the morning. Oh my God. Yes. So Why is good. It so good. <laughs> thoroughly love it and it's the whole atmosphere it's the yeah. fact that i'm up before anyone else in my home and that oh. my home is dark and quiet and i wish i was that person maybe someday oh, when i'm real old but yeah. i can't do that but that's brilliant <laughs> i don't enjoy it the same like i love the occasional time that i'll get to sit with my husband maybe for my second cup yes and we can talk yeah and enjoy the quiet of the morning together over that but I really like I have I have to deal with a morning when I don't get the quiet and the first cup by myself. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, it is like a process I have to go through because yeah. I so relish those moments. So that's for sure. Like, What's your coffee like? What's the specific style I of coffee? I love Sumatra. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, I put a little bit of cin- cinnamon in Ooh, the grounds so it yes. brews into the coffee so it's not like not overload of cinnamon in my cup. Okay, got it. It's just a little bit like a shake or two because okay. it just adds a little something to it. Uh-huh. I like it. I don't like the full-on flavor, but mm-hmm. I like just a touch. And then just half and half, got no it. coffee mate, no sugar. Love it. Straight up fatty <laughs> yes. cream. Yes, I hear you. I actually don't do cream in my coffee. Okay. I'm an iced black coffee person. Iced black coffee. Yeah. Even if it's like there's zero not many degrees of outside. You walking around, I no, don't there's think. not. Yeah. <laughs> I will go to a coffee place and the coffee person would be like, You go. You go, girl. Like 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 I'm stronger than most. Do you most. ever go to Madcap? I have been one time. Great I've, coffee, yeah. but they look at you like you have a horn coming out of oh. your head if you want half and half. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, they don't want to deal with you. No. They don't. No. I asked one time, and they were like, um, <laughs> they didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> what did they want to put in there? Nothing. nothing? Oh, nothing. Okay, because it would adulterate the coffee. Correct. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Straight iced coffee up. is probably not their thing either. I don't think they do iced. No, that's not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. They seem real serious in there. They do, they have amazing coffee. It is really, really <laughs> delicious. Yes. But I couldn't do it every day because it's yes. not, it doesn't meet my cream expectations. But oh. And you need your alone time with the my cinnamon alone time. and the thing yes. and the half and half. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And the yeah. dark, quiet. Yeah. And my kids are always like, Mom, I don't think you're a morning person. And I don't think you're a night person. <laughs> you're like a midday kind of gal. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think they just think I'm cranky at both times. You know, whatever. There's you always know, room it, for growth. It's good that they. Re- <laughs> it's, good, it's good that they see those, yeah. and it's good that you acknowledge. Like, yes, yeah. maybe when I'm old. Maybe get- when I'm old, I'll wake up at five a.m. and have my alone time in a very peaceful. Yeah, I don't do five. Setting. Okay, I don't five. Do, I don't do five. Very, very rarely. Like, and actually, if I do five, it's usually not by my choosing. It's usually like because I wake up and I'm like just wide awake, and yeah. so I just get up. But it's like five thirty. Okay, that still seems one hundred percent not doable. But I it's not as painful as five. <laughs> Something yeah. about being. If it's like 535, like you're closer to six. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Totally doable. (laughs) So that's like, um, for sure, like in terms of my average day. Yes. That is the thing that I love. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I love is um, when I am at the store, Mm -hmm. I love walking in and smelling the smells of the space, which Uh is like, sounds weird. But there's leather and there's wood and Mm -hmm. there's just, I just love the space. I love coming Mm -hmm. into it and I didn't design it. My sister's an interior designer and she did, but like met, right? Good to have people in your life (laughs) who have skills. Yes. Um, She, I just told her the feel I wanted Mm -hmm. and she made it happen. And I like every day I'm like, I just love that. This is where I get to spend my day. Isn't that beyond that Mm -hmm. you 
are just lucky enough to like work in a beautiful space. I think people underestimate the need for just beauty around Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. I work in the tiniest room you can imagine. It's like smaller than like a like this table. It's real tiny. It was for sure a closet before I got to move in. (laughs) And it's not beautiful, but I but like making it as beautiful as you can possibly do it. So it's pleasant. It's super pleasant. It's like my little cozy spot. Yeah. Um yeah. So that's awesome. Okay. So the smells and the atmosphere of your store. Anything else? About the store? Or Anything that else you're I loving? Love. Favorite things? You don't have to have another one. Precious um, one. I love where my kids are and my family is right now. Yes. I love, like, my husband is trying to decide what he wants to be when he grows up. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that he is like, there's more for me. Mm-hmm. There's something else I want to do. And that he's willingly <gasps> entering mm-hmm. into that. And I love, we were talking about, like, how you try and teach your kids yeah. not to make some of the same mistakes that you made. Maybe they'll make new mistakes, but yeah, you know, and I'm seeing that in my kids mm-hmm. and as they're entering teenagerhood, mm-hmm. I just love seeing them be who they are, like come into themselves and yeah. learning more about their personalities and just seeing that develop mm-hmm. and Every phase of their life is so different, mm-hmm. but they're in this one right now that I just think is, I just want to kind of hang on to it. I just really yeah. like where they are. We're both in kind of the sweet spot of parenting, I yeah. think. I mean, I haven't yeah. parented older children than what I have, but they're just in that cool, like, they're fun to hang out with. Mm-hmm. They're not as, like, physically taxing. Yeah. They're maybe a little more emotionally independent. But they're independent. Yeah. yeah. And they're becoming like cool little people. I know. Yeah. I love it. It's so Absolutely good. Love it. And what a cool example for your kids to see you doing something that's new and scary and different and awesome. Mm-hmm. And because then they'll know like that's a possibility. I didn't know that was a possibility when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just grew up and I thought, well, you get a job that's like super solid that you're going to do for 50 years. Right. Because that's what our parents did. And that's yeah. what our grandparents did. I think yeah. the world is so not that place anymore. Yeah. I mean, in my 19 year nursing career, I had four jobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> there yes. were there were women that in the hospital that had been there for 25, 35, 40 yeah. years. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, right. but it's a lot of that is generational. That yeah. now you think about like the opportunities in any given career path, it, they look so different. Yeah. And there's so much more that you can do. And as you grow and develop and you feel like you've tapped out of a certain area, like it's totally okay to move on. Yes. Find something else. And it's going to work out mm-hmm. and you'll be okay and your yeah. family will be okay. And yeah. Yeah. It'll be sure. better. Um, all right. What makes you feel seen or heard in a kind of a genuine way that can be like a particular person that makes you feel that way or a space or an experience? I think, um, the times where I feel the most heard are probably times where I'm listening Mm -hmm. my best Mm -hmm. I love that yeah 
they I feel like um, when you listen your best then what you have to say is a little bit more powerful yeah you maybe skip some of the fluffy stuff to fill the space that you haven't really thought through yeah more curated Mm -hmm. and thought through yeah I love that what is something people can do one thing that comes to mind to create more connection in their life or their Mm -hmm. community I think allow yourself to be uncomfortable Oh, amen. Yes. That's so hard, but I think so true. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You think about like how many comfortable situations do you actually learn something new about somebody else or yourself? Yep. For sure. You don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But when you allow yourself to be uncomfortable and you, you can receive the good and bad in that situation, right? Like we Mm -hmm. can't get angry about it we can't be reactive about it we have Mm -hmm. to maintain objectivity in it but if you let yourself do that Mm -hmm. then I think you can always take something out of that Mm -hmm. you're almost guaranteed to learn Mm -hmm. that way yeah Yeah, for sure Miss Emily this has been a delight I have enjoyed it as well thanks for your courageous questions yeah (laughs) you are welcome yes (laughs) Um, thanks for putting up with my little foibles and newness and being the first to like help me blaze this trail. It feels good and crazy all at the same time. Yeah. I love what you're doing. I'm excited to see how it grows for you. Thank you. Me too. All right. Well, thanks lady. Thank you. Wasn't that so fun? The morning we recorded, you guys, the it was just all burning down. I had nerves up the wazoo. Nothing was recording right. I felt like I needed a new microphone all of a sudden. It was bonkers. But as soon as we started recording, I knew that this was the very best thing I've ever taken on and that this is what I'm supposed to do. I also love that I said the words, gateway drug to deeper connection. I just said it, and I think that might have to go on a t-shirt, probably like some coffee mugs, like a mouse pad, some merch. So that's coming. Keep your eye out. Um, I loved how Emily and I connected over our experience of being made to feel worthless and how even though that has shown up for different ways for us as adults, I think it's so powerful to know that someone who presents in your life as the most confident person, like Emily does, who seemingly has every little thing together, probably has the same hurdles you do, the same self-esteem problems and questions that we're all trying to get over. I love how Emily told her story about hearing God speak to her. I'm so glad I was curious enough to ask that question. First of all, I've always wanted to ask someone. And second, because I might use different words like intuition or knowing or universe or whatever when I describe a spiritual experience, or I might come from a totally different religious perspective altogether. But I think there is so much learning that can come from listening intently to someone else's story. Religion obviously does not have to be divisive. When we put our perspective totally aside for just a minute and sit in someone else's genuine experience, we can't help but understand more about that other person. And that's where the magic happens. The literal magic happens. Emily was so genuine and vulnerable, and I'm so grateful for her for sitting down with me, being the very first person on taking the middle seat. 
And also, I'm so grateful for you. And I tried to record this the first time and I cried. So I'm going to try it again. Um, I have received nothing but encouragement from my people and my community about this podcast. And I cannot tell you how much that means to me. Starting a new gig that requires learning everything new, just all the things, and taking new chances has been terrifying, like running naked down Hall Street, and also just life-giving. So thank you for encouraging me every step of the way. I'll be back soon with another episode of Taking the Middle Seat.